Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. My dad was a flawed man, just like the majority of the men who are here. My dad was a worker. He was a worker. He would work crazy hours. I remember him working crazy hours. Um, you know, if he got an opportunity to work uh, the shift, uh, he would work double shifts for extra money. Uh, my dad never graduated high school. Uh, he didn't. Uh, for some reason, he quit his senior year. I just never got that, but it's not something we ever talked about. But he did. He, he, uh, he didn't graduate high school. Um, my dad commanded a certain level of respect. Uh, from me, if I'm being completely honest with you, I was scared of my dad um, in a good way. I was respectful of my dad. My dad died when he was 59, but I'm telling you this right now, if he were here today, I would still be scared of my dad in a good way, in a good way. Um, I was a bad student growing up. I know that shocks you guys, but I was a class clown. I know, I know. I'm shocked too, but I was a class clown, and I was a horrible student. And my mom, she used to, um, when she would get the report card, because she always got the report card. For those students that are here, just to let you know, the report card used to come on an actual blue, it was a, the dreaded blue uh, envelope, and, and it had a little bitty, right in the middle had a little bitty loop like that, and you would grab it and pull it out. And they had this category called deportment, okay? Now, I didn't know what deportment was. That was basically a nice way of saying whether you were a screw-up or not in school, okay? That was what it was. It was A, uh, acceptable or unacceptable. And let's just say I got my, my, uh, my uh, fill of U's, okay? But there were other things, too. I was a horrible student, so my mom would get that report card. And here's what she would say. Wait until your dad gets home, that's what she would say. And I would go, and I would be upset the whole time. But you know what my dad would do nine times out of ten? Now, the tenth time out of ten, he'd whoop me. Uh, He would spank me. But nine times out of ten, he'd come back there, and he would sit down, and he would talk to me, and he would tell me why grades are important. Of course, the whole time I'm thinking, Dad, you didn't finish high school, but that's a whole other issue. I never would have brought that up. But he's telling me why grades are important and why this and this, and he goes through this whole process. Um, but I would worry and I would wait, and most of the time, my dad and I would come to an agreement. There would be times whenever I would say things or do things at the house, and my mom would say, wait until your father gets home. She wouldn't say father. She'd say daddy. Wait till your daddy gets home. And um, I don't know where father came from, but it's, you know, today's daddy day, dude day, whatever you want to call it. Um, And my dad would come in, and I would be so nervous, and my dad would come in, and and I would hear, I would hear my dad going, oh, no, my baby would never do that. No, I cannot believe that. And my mom would get so mad, but nine times out of ten, my dad wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't. My dad was a flawed man, Um, my dad taught me a work ethic. He did. 
He taught me a work ethic. Uh, he taught me how to treat other people. He did. Um, he taught me my love for sports, and he taught me my love for Tennessee football. He did. Uh, sometimes I don't know whether to thank him for that or not, but he did teach me that, okay? Sometimes it's taken more from me than I put in it. Um, he also taught me to love of fishing. He did. He taught me to love fishing. My best times with my dad was when I would go up and I would go fishing with him, and he and I would go on the lake. I remember doing that from an early age, and it was my dad was very competitive, and it was always a competition with us. Um, I mean, I'm talking about I was in like fourth and fifth grade, and he would like, yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, 40. Uh, but uh, it was always a competition with, with my dad. Um, but I enjoyed, I really enjoyed those times. I'll never forget a conversation I had with my dad. It was probably the deepest conversation I've ever had with my dad, and it was whenever I was considering asking my wife, Wendy, to marry me. Uh, and I sat down and I talked to my dad. Um, and basically, in a nutshell, what he said was, he told me the story about he and my mom, um, and he basically said, son, there was nothing I wouldn't have done uh, to marry your mom. And he said, and I hear the same words coming from you, I think you need to go for it. Um, and then I thought, well, i got to convince Wendy now. Uh, me and Dad are on the same page. Let me see if I can convince Wendy. No, but I did. That's exactly what I did, and I never looked back. I never did. You know, it's interesting. Um, we all have different experiences with our dad, don't we? Uh, sitting here today, some of you had horrible experiences with your dad, and I'm going to talk to you today some. I want to teach you some today. I want to teach you some things. Some people had horrible experiences with their dad, but you know, uh, today, I also want to celebrate uh, the, the positiveness of, of fathers. Now, I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently having a dad bod is back in style, okay? Uh, does everybody know what a dad bod is? It's basically me about 30 pounds less, okay? That's what a dad bod is. Um, um, uh, I think this is old dad bod, but apparently that's a thing now. Having a dad bod is a, is a thing now. Uh, it, maybe it wasn't a thing, now it is a thing. Maybe it's fading from being a thing. So, Wendy liked dad bods before it was cool. All right, so that's good. Uh, that was a good thing. Um, but dads have their own style. A lot of the students, especially these three guys up here and, and, and Blake, a lot, of, a lot of them want to give me heck because I like dad jokes. All right, so when I'm on Instagram, I put dad jokes out. Uh, and they have to admit, guys, some of my dad jokes are pretty good, aren't they? Kind of sketchy, yeah. Uh, I do dad jokes, right? I do dad jokes. Uh, but dads have their own style. And so today, I thought what I would do is, to lighten the mood a little bit, let's look at some dad styles. We got those pictures? So here's some dad styles, all right? Do we have those pictures? That is 100% dad. You have to have the fanny pack and the socks, but that is one. And I have that hat, by the way. I have a hat just like that. I use it to mow. Uh, that's dad. Can we go to the next one? Okay, now I need you to focus in on this. Okay, I think, uh, is the next picture of the close-up? Is this the close-up of the shoe? Let's see. Every dad in the world has those shoes. Every dad in the world has, how many people in here, how many men in here have had those shoes? Raise your hand. Yeah, look around. Every dad has those shoes. Every dad has those shoes. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, that is A1 dad right there. And I want to call special attention to the plaid shorts and the flip-flops. Yes, the flip-flops are, that's, that is awesome. 
Go ahead. That. Notice the fanny pack and the tucked-in Hawaiian shirt. All right, the tucked-in Hawaiian shirt. That's dad. That is, you know that you know you got a dad when you see that. What's next? I don't know if that's in Helen, but it should be. All right, it looks like Helen, Georgia. It should be Helen, Georgia. I was like, surely that's Helen, Georgia. But uh, how many dads have ever wore a, a Hawaiian shirt tucked in? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. How many dads are lying? Raise your hand in church. Go ahead. What's the next one? So let me discuss the socks for a second. <clears throat> when you get to a certain age, I don't know why this is with me, but, but they, have, they have these socks that are called no-show socks. The only issue is, is I have a big foot, and socks come in sizes like, here, 6 to 12. How's that going to work? Or it, it comes in sizes, you know, 12 to 15. So I, I wear size 13, but if I get the 12 to 15, it's too long, and the heel rides up. So the no-show socks don't work for me. The only option is the low-cut socks, and there is about that much difference between the low-cut and the other one. And so my family makes fun of me for wearing the socks. Lynn's family made fun of him too, and he started wearing the other kind because he gives in to peer pressure. But I represent, I represent full dadness. And I'm like, heck yeah, I pull those little, I pull those suckers up as far as I can, right? How many of you guys have ever worn, I, I don't wear these kind of socks, but I'd be willing to if someone would give me a pair. We almost today, I almost thought about going and getting every dad a pair of high, high, high top white socks. Okay, so, but that is pure, pure dad. What's next? I'm not sure I'm in many. Every dad has a set of keys this long with that big a bunch. Every dad. I've got, a, I've got, I actually have two sets of keys. I've got one set of keys for the weekend for my Jeep and I grab it. And the other set is like a wad about that big that I grab during the week. So I have keys here to the office. I don't know how many more we have. Do we have any more, Lynn? All right. The vest. Is the vest not the best thing ever, dads? It is. The vest is awesome. You can do a little tucking if you want to. You got a little bit of warmth, but it's not too hot. You got the arms out. And here's the truth of the matter. The vest hides a little bit of fluff. It does. The vest is supposed to be a little fluffy. You don't have to be all swole or anything. You can just zip that sucker up. You can stay cool. It's a great thing in the winter. You can throw on the vest. Any more, Lynn? When I saw this official T-shirt of a playground dad, I thought of R.J. Winslet. RJ, I don't know if you have that shirt, but you should have that shirt. Because when I saw that, I was like, and honestly, I couldn't see the guy's face, but that, a little like RJ. I mean, honestly, the whole, everything is a little like RJ. So I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Any more? Is that it? All right, that's it. Good. All right. Dads have their own style, don't they? They do have their own style. They have, they bring a certain feel um, to, um, you know, to the family. They just do. Um, they do. And I've shared this with you before, and I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this first thing off before we ever begin. You don't have to have kids to be a dad to someone. I want, I want you to hear this too. Your dad may be not necessarily your biological dad. Are you with me on that? 
your biological dad may have given you a lot of hurts and a lot of pain. Uh, your biological dad may have ditched you. Your biological dad may have, but let me say something to you. What I've learned and what I want you to learn is this. I said the same thing on Mother's Day. What I've learned is that when I began a relationship with Christ, okay, and the areas where my dad, and I love my father, I mean, literally he died at 59, one of the worst days of my life. I love my dad. But there were areas in my life where my dad fell short. And there may be areas in your life where your dad fell fell short. There may be huge areas where he fell short. What I've learned is this. I've learned that God will take other people and put you on their heart to be a father for you. A lot of people are like, well, God is my father. You're right. God is your father. But here's the thing I want you to know. I think God loves us enough and wants to be our father enough that he just doesn't want to be your heavenly father. He wants to have someone else in the flesh come down and take that role of father so that you can live a life that's whole. I really believe that. I believe that God will put people in your life if you have situations where your father didn't measure up. I believe, and listen, I know, I know that coming to church on Father's Day and Mother's Day can be very difficult for people. But I want you to know this. Instead of looking at the negative, and I know there is negative sometimes, instead of looking at the negative, try your, try your best to identify the negative and then look around and see what God has done in your life since. Look around and see who he's put in your life. Who is it? Who is it? That would be your father. Who has God sent that would be your father? Who has God sent that would give you wisdom? That would be your protector? Who has he sent to do that? And if you look back, most people, not everyone, but most people I know can say, you know what? You know, know, my dad was a screw up, but I, I had this person in my life. And it could be a granddad, a grandmother. It could be an aunt, an uncle. It could be a stepdad. It could be on and on and on and on and on. But who is it in your life? I thought there was an interesting scripture. I will be honest and tell you, I've never looked at, I've never looked at this scripture from this viewpoint. But for some reason, as I was praying and studying over this, God really wanted me to look at this text. And so I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Luke chapter 15. Jesus is telling a story. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Luke chapter 15 says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want a share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. 
When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. So he returned to his father, and while he was still a long way off, I want you to hear that, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe into the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for his son of mine, for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he, told, he, he was told, and your father had killed, has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother became angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And, and, and in all those times, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast for my, with my friends. Yet when, the son of, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and, and, was, and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. There's some things I want you to see about this verse. The first thing is, is it was highly, highly, highly inappropriate and disrespectful to the father for the son to come and say, I want my inheritance even though you haven't died. Can you imagine going to your mother or father and saying, listen, I know you hadn't kicked the bucket yet, okay? I know you hadn't kicked the bucket yet. And I know that my older brother or older sister, I know they're going to get two-thirds of what you have, but I want my one-third now. And that's how it was then. I want my one-third now. So basically what he was saying to his dad is, Dad, listen, your life doesn't matter to me much. I don't like living here anymore. I'm tired of all this mess. I want my money now. And it doesn't matter that it's disrespectful to you. And it doesn't matter because I want my own way. And I want, that's what I want to do. And that's the, the thing that the father was confronted with. It was highly disrespectful. The next thing I want you to see is this, that when the son went off, he, he squandered his money. And don't miss this. Jesus made a point to say that he was given a job that was feeding the pigs. Now, if you know anything about Jewish culture, you know that the pigs were unclean animals. And so the job he had in the foreign land was cleaning and stay, watching after the nastiest animals in their culture. Something that you wouldn't even touch or go around. He was doing that. The next thing I want you to see is this. Is that he said, listen, I have, I I have the ability to go back and I just want to be a servant. That's what I want to be. I just want to be a servant. And so the next thing I want you to see is this. The father spotted him while he was a long way off. So what does that tell you about the dad? It tells you that the dad had been looking for the son. There's a great, great picture. There's a great picture 
a painting that I absolutely love. And it's of the father standing on the front porch. And there's a rocking chair. And he's standing on the front porch pointing. And it's the prodigal coming down the road. He was looking for his son. And his son had come home. What are some things that this father had done? Well, the first thing he did is he loved and protected his kid. That's the first thing he did. He loved and protected his kid. Hey, kids, let me let you know something. When your parents know when you've screwed up, okay? You're not surprising them. Here's the thing I want you to know. Your parents know you're going to mess up. They do. And this father knew, he knew what his son deserved. He did. And you know what he did? He did the opposite. He chose grace. He chose grace over condemnation. That's what his dad did. His dad knew he had messed up. He knew he had hurt him. He knew the pain. He had felt the pain, but he loved him anyway. And he protected him. It's funny because you can tell... The son, and this is what we do, right, kids? Not that I ever did this when I was growing up because I was perfect, but I'm sure you've messed up before. And what you do is, is when you've really screwed up, like, like say, uh, I'm, I'm not saying, that, you know, let's say you've got a ticket or something, and you're driving home going, okay, Dad, here's what happened. I was driving, and you're going through this in your mind, and you're rehearsing over and over and over again what you're going to say to your mom or to your dad. And that's what this son was doing. And so the first thing he said was his dad came out and embraced him. And he says, Dad, I just want to work as a hired hand. And he said, nonsense. Get the fatted calf. Get the robe and get the ring. Restore him to where he's supposed to be. That's what the dad said. He loved and he protected him. Can I tell you something? A father's role in the house, a father's role in the house is to set the temperature of the house. I'm not talking about the actual temperature. Y'all can keep fighting over that. I'm talking about the overall feel of the home. The overall feel of the home. It is the father's responsibility to set the feel of the home. If the home, if the home is in turmoil, God looks to the father to fix that. And most of the time he fixes it by becoming the most humble, the most compassionate, and the, and the biggest servant. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. You'll find something about God. Those that he gives great responsibility, he expects great things. And I'm not talking about being the leader and stepping out front. The Bible says that the greatest, the greatest leader is the one that serves the most. Greatest leader equals greatest servant. And that's what the father does in the home. And so this father saw his son running, coming down, and he wanted to restore he wanted to restore the home. We know that the home was in turmoil because of the way that the other son reacted. Did you see that? Did you see him, what he called him? This son of yours. That's his brother. How do you think he felt? You know it was a conversation piece every day in the fields. Hey, what do you think he's going to do? Can you believe he did that? I can't believe that he just took it and left. You know the servants were looking. You know the people that lived in the home were looking. You know the people that were surrounding the area. Can you believe that so-and-so's son just asking for his money and left? Everyone was watching. And there was turmoil. And you guys know when there's turmoil in the house, there's like a thickness. 
There's a thickness. It's, it, it's an uneasiness that you have in your homes. Dads, let me tell you something. It's your responsibility to address that. It's your responsibility to be the greatest servant. It's your responsibility to show the most grace. It's your responsibility to make sure that your home, the temperature of your home, and you do that by loving and protecting other people. He protected his son. He didn't give him the, well, I told you so. I told you. I told you you were going to screw up. I told you. He didn't say that. He didn't say it at all. He didn't scold him either. He didn't scold him. He didn't yell and scream. He didn't do that at all. You know what else he didn't do? He didn't say, you hurt me and I'm not going to forget. He didn't say that. He didn't say that at all. He protected him and he loved him. Now let me say something. There'll be time for those conversations later. And we don't get to see the, the rest of the story. Jesus told only part of the story. There's times for the healing conversations. I'm not saying the son needs to get off with just nothing. The whole point of this story is to show you that if you've fallen away from Christ, that you too can come home. And you and I both know that when you, when you have went out and you've done things that were against God, God is not going, he loves you more than to let you get by without consequences. And so when you come back to the Father, of course there's going to be consequences. But the first reaction of the Father is joy and acceptance and a party and to love and protect you. That's the first thing. And that should be our first thing too. There's time, there's time for healing later. But first, you throw a party. And that brings me to the next point, and it's this. The dad celebrated. The dad celebrated a change of heart. He celebrated a change of heart. Look at Luke 16, 24. I love Luke 16, 24. I actually have it underlined in my Bible. If you have your Bible with you, underline it. You're going to love this. For this son of mine was dead and now is returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. And this is the part I want you to underline. So the party began. So the party, I'm sorry, it's 1524, not 16. I messed that up, Lynn. That's my fault. So the party began. So the party began. And that's exactly what happened. The party began. Luke 15, 10 says this. If you'll turn back a few pages, it says this. It says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. Do you know that when you repent, you know what happens? Partay is what happens in heaven. That's what happens. And I'm not talking about a little party. You know, some people, you ladies like to throw these parties. You call them parties. They're not parties. You go in, you get all dressed up. That's the first thing that's not a party because everybody knows a party is just hanging out and putting a pair of shorts and maybe a Hawaiian shirt on and chilling outside. No, you, you, you throw these little tea parties and dinner parties and all these things where you have to get dressed up and get uncomfortable. Um, I know some of you guys are going, oh, I don't do that. I don't mean either. But, but you, you do those things and you're kind of uncomfortable. No, that's not what happens. I'm talking about an old-fashioned throwdown. I'm talking about, you know, Cajun shrimp boil. I'm talking about the whole nine yards. I'm talking about hangout. I'm, that's a party. That's what happens. When you repent, that's the same thing the Father did. The Father celebrated a change of heart. He immediately pushed past the outer shell to the inner shell 
and he celebrated a change of heart. The next thing he did, though, and I don't want you to miss this, is he taught a valuable lesson. He taught a valuable lesson, not to the prodigal son, but to the son that had remained with him the whole time. So not only did he love and protect, not only did he celebrate the kid's change of heart, but then being the father and being the one that is supposed to go through and and check the temperature of the home, he's supposed to check the temperature of the atmosphere, he then went away from the party and went to the other brother and taught him a valuable lesson. What was the lesson? He taught him that repentance calls for a party. He taught him that it was hard for his other brother to come back. He taught him that, listen, nothing's changed. You've been here with me the whole time. You have everything I own. Everything I have is still yours. But when someone changes their heart, when someone turns around, that, son, is time for a party. And we need to put our feelings aside. We need to put our emotions aside. And we need to reconnect as a family. That's what he was teaching. And that's what he needed. The father, the father literally went from a grieving father to a celebrating father to a party host and to a counselor all in the same hour. That's what he did. And you know what? That's what I do. And that's what you do a lot too, dads. It's what you do. Why? Because it's our role. It's our role. That's what we're called to do. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you that God does the same thing for you and for me? God's role in our life. At one moment, he may be a party host. At one moment, he may be celebrating. At one moment, He may be counseling us. He does the same thing for you and for me. I've told you guys this before. I told you earlier, listen, not all of you may have had had a good example for a dad. My dad was flawed. I'm flawed. But I'm telling you what I found is, is that God will provide those things and he he will fill in that gap. I really think for us, on Father's Day, what I would encourage you, dads, is to be like this dad. If you have the ability, be like this dad. Be the dad that celebrates the return more than scold the behavior. There's time for that. There's time for that. But be the father that loves and protects. Be the father that celebrates the change of heart and then be the father that teaches the valuable lesson. That's what we all need, isn't it? It's what I need. So listen, go home today, fire up the grill and celebrate. Celebrate. If you're here today and your father is still living, celebrate with him. I really wish I could celebrate with mine right now. I would give anything if I could. But I'll see him soon. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I'm thankful for, God, just your, your, the way you teach us and the, the, the way that you can hit 
on every area of our life. And I'm thankful for that, God. Lord, I pray that you would allow us as men to stand up, to take the role of leader, but mainly the role of servant leader. Let us be, let us be people who take the role of leadership and follow your lead so that we can, gosh, just change generations. Let us love and protect our families. Let us show compassion. And God, let us be, be men who um, celebrate with changed hearts. That's what we need more than anything today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure where you are today, but I can tell you this. Um, God still sits on the front porch. He still does. And he's still looking down the road. Let's, let's worship. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.